Hi there, I'm Hallie Evelyn, and welcome to another episode of A Goddess of Crypto. Today, I am very excited to have with me a special woman who I was lucky enough to meet at one of the many, many Miami blockchain conferences and Bitcoin conferences that has been going on lately. Her name is Sunny Sattva, and I'm going to let her tell you what she does because it's phenomenal. And I'm very excited to see a person like this in the space doing this kind of work. The sacred divine feminine is creative, abundant, flowing, receiving, and disruptive. And the new energy of money, including cryptocurrency, decentralized finance, NFTs, and even the metaverse, is all these things too. Welcome to the Goddess of Crypto, a weekly show where women who are already in this powerful space will cover these topics simply so you can relax into knowing that the future of finance is female. Sunny, welcome. Thank you so much, Holly. It was amazing to meet you at the Bitcoin conference. And I'm so excited to be here on the Goddess of Crypto show. And thank you so much for having me. I have been in crypto in various aspects of my life for the past two years. And now I'm building in the space to try to make it more inclusive for women, for people of color, and for the next billion people that are going to be on this planet. So I'm currently based in Mombasa in Kenya, and I started an initiative that's called VAF. It's a very awesome fund for Africa, where we are helping founders access capital specifically to invest in eco-enhancing business ventures. We're also onboarding these founders into Web3, helping them accept crypto payments and using the investment that comes through our token VAF for their alternative protein production, leather alternatives made out of cactus or mushroom materials, as well as some of the highest growth product sectors that we see in the future, tying these products to the blockchain and sustainability. But I'm also involved in numerous different projects that we can get into that are supporting women onboarding into Web3, helping people who speak languages other than English access information about crypto because 70% of the internet is written in English, yet only a quarter of the world population speaks English as a first or second language, as well as working to make this information as accessible as possible to help everyone create more wealth for themselves and generational wealth, as well as helping people learn and understand that this is something you can utilize in your daily life that can be absolutely life-changing. Wow. I think that was one beautiful sentence that sounded like world peace is coming <laughs> like from your fingertips or something. I mean, that's just so beautiful. All right. So that's a lot to unpack. So let me just remind everybody a couple of things that we visited with in other episodes. And that is one that a token is not is uh, it's like a coin, but it isn't the exact same thing as a coin. It can seem to be from an investment standpoint, but I believe that the difference is that 
the token is a token can be a coin, but a coin is like kind of the next step above, I'll just call it mm. in a token. And I think that it's divided by whether it's on somebody else's blockchain or whether it's own blockchain. So it's own blockchain is a coin. And if it's created on its own blockchain, then it's a coin. So Bitcoin, for example, is on its own blockchain. That's what makes it a coin. Whereas somebody else building on, let's say, the Ethereum platform is going to have a token, but not a coin. But to the investor, mm. that's not actually going to make a difference. And VAF, is that what you called it? Spell what yes, the letters exactly. are for that? So VAF is V as in Victor, A-F dot one is our website. And Hallie, you explained it perfectly. A coin is basically its own blockchain and a token is an asset that is built on a pre-existing blockchain. So VAF is a token that's built on the Phantom blockchain. It's an Ethereum compatible blockchain. And so what that means is that all of the developer code that can be written for Ethereum can also be written and deployed on the chain that VAF is on, which is the Phantom blockchain. And I'm just going to remind everybody that blockchain is basically just these blocks of code, but they are encoded so that they are immutable. They're timestamped. You can't change the timestamp and you can't change the blockchain itself. It, like, it locks it in and the links are chained together. That is like literally the chain of blocks is why they call it a blockchain. So why is that important? Because it means that there's more safety, there's more security. These are the things that, and the fact that you can't change it means that you can't alter it later. It's harder to hack. It's not impossible. Sometimes there are some very large hacks. And when I talk to people about that, I usually I hear garbage in, garbage out. Like you have to code without backdoors. You have to code without, you have to code knowing that your team is going to be in integrity and nobody's going to slip in there later and try to hack something in for themselves. So those are the people are the issue with blockchain itself is actually super, super powerful. And I'm just backing up to say all of that because I want to make sure that everybody has some basic definitions. Now, as far as the basic definition of Web3, Sunny, what would you say about that? Yeah, absolutely. And I really, before we get into Web3, I want to talk for just another second about tokens because people have been hearing about all kinds of tokens and there's tokens like VAF, which is called a fungible token, meaning one VAF equals one VAF. It's a, you can have a thousand or a million and they're all basically the same in values and you send them all and they're equivalent to each other. But there's another type of token that's been very, very popular recently and it's a non-fungible token which if you're scratching your head, what is non-fungible token? Well, that's an NFT. And NFTs people have seen become really popular specifically in the digital art format, specifically as photos or JPEGs. But these NFTs have what's called metadata and tied to an NFT is some certain utility, some certain functionality where it enables you to say, have access to a certain digital or physical community. It can serve as a ticketing process, like the Disneyland NFTs that launch that gives you park access. Or it can be like the VAF NFTs that we've launched, our collections called the Astral Giraffes, which support eco-friendly ventures in Africa when you buy them. And the NFTs are redeemable 
one time for a gift basket of sustainably sourced products from our network that you were buying this NFT helped produce. So NFTs are very different from fungible tokens, but both are tokens, meaning that when we walk it back, this is an asset that is built on a pre-existing blockchain, which again, it just means that you can never go back in time. It's a blockchain, so you can't alter anything that happened in the past. All of that data is locked in and everything from what it was bought at to what the utility or functionality is, is secured. And so I wanted to go into tokens a little bit because I know people are looking at this space. You see the term non-fungible token, fungible token. What does this mean? But they're all tokens, which means they're all built on existing blockchain. And while you're talking about this, I feel like the other piece that is part of the idea of an NFT versus fungible versus something being non-fungible. I mean, I swear the first time I heard those words, I was like, what does this have to do with mushrooms? Like, (laughs) And and it turns out that the fungible and non-fungible basically, and Sunny has said this part of this, but I just want to emphasize Fungible means that it can be exchanged for something that is equal. So she talked about VAF being a token that was exchangeable like for like. Non-fungible means it's unique. That is the specific thing about it being... Like when you say somebody's created or what's called minted an NFT, it means that they have created this non-fungible, this unique piece, which is usually represented by art, usually represented by JPEGs, that has been created on the blockchain. It's been minted and you mint that yourself as you are basically acquiring it. So right before I met you, Sunny, uh, and after I met you, I was at these real estate conferences and we're starting to see NFTs that are created as like real estate that is becoming NFTs. So instead of it being represented by art, it's being represented by a house. You don't get art with your NFT, you get a house with your NFT. We are starting to see that happen with football clubs. I believe, and I'm not the only one who does, but I definitely got a huge hit about this the first time I heard about what NFTs were. Eventually, they're going to be for everything. You will keep your medical data on an NFT, You will, which have access to, and the doctors will ask you for and not the other way around. You're going to see every celebrity, every sports franchise, every restaurant. Disney, you pointed out, has got its own NFTs that let you into the park. Uh, animal concerts, which I happen to really love and, uh, full disclosure, am an investor in, Um, Animal Concerts now has just become the ticket master for the metaverse. That's kind of like the best way of explaining that. But they're using NFTs for all of this stuff. And what I love about what you're talking about is that you're using it for utility and sustainability. And those are two words that are getting used a lot in Web3, in the metaverse, and in crypto. And I know this is show is goddess of crypto, but we kind of talk about all of it because it's all interrelated. So I want to talk about what good you're doing in the world with your work, because there's a lot of people who are like, hey, let me make some money here. And I'm just here to build wealth. And that's it. And that's amazing because building wealth is an incredible thing. However, what you're doing with it is there's so much good being done in the world because of it. So let's talk about that more. And I love your holistic approach as well. And I think especially in Goddess of Crypto, this is a great place 
to remind ourselves that we are such diversely functioning beings. We are able to exist in the crypto space and in the sustainability and the impact and in the family and in the home space and all of these spaces. But we can tie it together and we have to make sure that our heart and our higher purpose is something we're following in all that we do. And so for me, crypto with impact has been on my mind since I got into this space. Like it can't just be about making money, although of course we are very early. If you look at the world, it's only 3% of the world is invested currently into crypto. And when you look at women in the world, we're less than 10% of crypto buyers. So this is something that we need to shift on right now. I have heard different statistics. So, and this is an example of it's really hard to get a hold of solid information. What mm-hmm. I've heard is that 12% of the world is investing in crypto, 15% of those investors are women. But in some areas, the investment of women, like I just, and I asked for the stat because I'm like, I was hungry for this information mm-hmm. and it was sent to me. So, yeah, so it was an article in Australia showing that 50, like 2% of, crypto investors coming into the market were women. So mm. that, that like that's a pretty big disparity between what you said, what I said, what the Australian newspaper said. So let me generalize real quick. There's not enough women in crypto. And we're really, really at the beginning as far as the world's adoption of crypto and all of the underlying and overlaying things that are surrounding it. So exactly. if you're thinking it's too late, Yeah, you're super, super, super early. If you're thinking you're going to get into this and you're going to like be the only one, no, there are whole communities of women supporting each other. That's one of the main reasons I wanted to put out this podcast is I was like, hey, nobody's really talking to mainstream women. Somebody's going to do this and then they're all going to start coming in and need a place to go because there's not enough of us talking in plain English. I hope, I don't normally say this till the end, but I hope you will share this episode with every woman that you know, because we want them to know that it's safe. The water's safe. Come on in. Even if it's just to dip your toe and learn first, always do your own research. All right. So Sunny, back to you. No, this is a great reminder as well that all of this data that we're seeing is very personalized to the individual as well. So I just want to take a moment also to remind everyone that we are all now living in our phones, being fed information specifically based on what we're searching. These advertisements are following your every move and no two people's feed is exactly alike. It used to be back in let's say 20, 30 years ago, everyone was basically getting the same information from the same five, 10 news sources. And now everything you see is tailored specifically to you, primarily to drive your consumer decisions, because that's the world that we live in today. So remember that all that you do, remember to act out of love instead of influence from any of the advertisements that you may be seeing Because at the end of the day, we're all humans living this shared, beautiful, crazy human experience. And we can't, we have to do our own research. I think that was the biggest point. And especially when you start getting into crypto and Googling these things, you're going to get all kinds of things flying across your feed. So just be vigilant in doing your own research. So that's my two cents. Um, Definitely agree with you there, Hallie. But as far as how I got into crypto with impact, I first bought Ethereum in 2020. 
and realized that this is something that was a game-changing technology. I had just gotten off the tail end of working on a campaign for universal basic income that I believe is one of the biggest solutions to many of our world problems. Why do we exist in a capitalistic society that requires money in order to participate if there's no income floor? It just didn't make sense to me. I put my heart and soul into this universal income campaign. I found out about this technology, Ethereum, which runs something called the Ethereum Virtual Machine, which has the capability, and I think is one of the first technologies in existence that has the capability to issue a universal income to people. And so I was very interested in that. And so I bought Ethereum, I made some money. And at the time I was living in Kenya, realizing that, okay, I can keep reinvesting into this digital asset space and make all of this, you know, internet money, or I can put it to use doing some good in my community. And my community was the beautiful Kenya coast, which we are this year hosting the Ethereum Kenya conference, the very first Ethereum conference that will be in the continent of Africa will be in Kenya, Nairobi, Kenya, and then a safari. Yes, I'm so excited. When is that? So the dates are September 18th through 25th, 2022. So you should definitely be there, Hallie. I'm inviting you now. I'll send you the the website and the deck after we talk. It's early. We'll we'll post that in the show notes as well, everybody. So, but say the name of the website for the conference, just so if you know it. Absolutely. It's ethsafari.xyz, E-T-H safari. So E-T-H-S-A-F-A-R-I.xyz. And safari is a Kiswahili word. Kiswahili is the Swahili language that's spoken in the East Africa region. And it means adventure or journey. So it's the ETH adventure, the ETH journey. And I think it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. But when I was living on the Kenya coast in 2020, when I had first moved there, there was a growing but very small Ethereum and crypto community. And now that has just grown astronomically. You know how things go with crypto in the past several years. And Kenya specifically is really, really interesting because this is an entire country which has been on mobile money since 2006. And what I mean by that is even with a brick phone, even with a T9 keyboard, nine button phone, since 2006, you could send digital Kenya shillings, which is the national currency in Kenya, digital shillings to anyone in the country, any one of your friends or family or merchants or vendors, just by having their phone number. And so this is a country that has over 15 years of everybody using this digital currency. And so there, it is a very small jump or leap to go from that to blockchain or crypto because people have been dealing with a largely cashless, largely non-credit card focused society. You go to the grocery store, you go take an Uber, or you take a taxi, you go buy some fruit on the street. You can send mobile money to that person right there from your phone just by having their phone number. So I saw that and I was incredibly excited, realized that this is a great place to be building in the Web3 space because not only are people receptive, but it's much easier to onboard them when that is already something that clicks in their mind, that the blockchain is basically just the digital 
shilling that they're used to, except that there can be no government corruption involved in, or company corruption involved in screwing up these transactions. Um, Wait, so we can't really just print. A, we can't just print a bunch more money. Wait, I'm so confused. <laughs> I have to say, Americans also have a tremendous amount of cashless society, and also have since even the 1990s, I believe, was when ATMs were introduced here. Oh, yeah. yeah, and now PayPal or whatever. But when you say like you're saying mobile payments versus credit cards, so people are used to more doing like you know, having that mobile wallet or like we think of like our our Apple Pay or our Google Pay and having that on our phone, that's a relatively recent development. But I still feel like uh, we hold on to cash. I hear all the time people are like, we don't want any socialism, but give me my Medicare. And it's (laughs) like, well, what do you think that is, right? We've got the same issues going on with money. It's like, no, we don't want this horrible crypto thing. Give me my cash as they're using their phone to buy their latte at Starbucks or using their computer to have a transaction online through their credit card company. So I love that this has been adopted and adapted. And, you know, I think for Americans, I mean, I haven't been to Kenya per se, but I've been to South Africa. I've spent a great deal of time in Egypt. So I've gotten a little bit of the top and a little bit of the bottom. And uh, next you're coming to the middle. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. But I just feel like I've been to Zimbabwe as well. But there's a certain feeling I think that Westerners, I'll just say, have about a country like Kenya that, you know, it's mostly open land, giraffes, elephants, and some lions and stuff. So it's really beautiful to hear what's going on as far as like the adoption of crypto and the adoption of technology into that space. And I asked you a question way back that we didn't get to, and I'm going to ask you again, because you just brought up the topic. How would you define Web3 for everybody? I think that my definition of Web3 is one I've adopted from various resources online, which is basically Web3 is the blockchain-backed internet. Web3 is the decentralized internet. And so what that means is that this is developing in a much more open source manner where you see that if you're developing on chain, which means you're developing on the blockchain People can see what you're doing. People can go back in time and, you know, check your receipts. And so it's much less gated and much less, let's say, guarded than Web2 development, which is mainly focused on competition. I see Web3 as a lot more focused on collaboration because everyone in the Web3 or in the crypto space ultimately at the end of the day wants more people to get into it because that's how we have mass adoption. So it's really about how can we bridge and bring more people into this space of permissionless, trustless finance. And one thing that I just want to touch on when it comes to Web2 currency or fiat currency versus Web3 currency is that Fiat right now, or your national currency, whether it's the US dollar, or the Kenya shilling, or the yuan, or the yen, these are assets that are backed by trust. The government used to back the dollar in the States with a store pile of gold in Kentucky that was drained up until the 60s to the point where now 
the US dollar is only backed by trust, which is why they keep printing more. And Web3 is backed by the most valuable resource that we have today on the planet, which is computing power. The most highest profit companies, the trillion dollar companies in the world, the Amazon and the Apples and the Googles or Alphabets, these are backed by computing power. These are backed by electricity. And that is also what is backing the blockchain, which is backing Bitcoin and Ethereum and all of these other tokens and assets. So to me, Web3 is about harnessing that computing power for the public good, as opposed to for the private profit motives that aren't trickling down to the rest of us. So to me, Web3 is really, it's the next evolution. And I think that, you know, you brought the internet of the internet and of the world. I mean, we're in a cash-based society and I believe that Web2 was the ATM and was the credit card and was the ability to go from having to go speak to a bank teller to actually having immediate instant access to your funds to a certain degree. The Web3 is true ownership of your funds and your assets where you know if you want to send a transfer out of the country. You don't have to do the whole Swift code, wait a week for this wire to go through. If you want to send yourself- Pay a huge fee. Yeah, pay a ridiculous fee. When I first got to Kenya, I had called my credit card companies. I had told my debit card that I was going to be traveling, but classic web two problems. I get there. I don't even have a SIM card yet. I go to try to buy one and my cards are blocked and I can't get a hold of my banks. And this would be really tragic if I didn't have web three money, which I was able to literally send to somebody who I met. They gave me cash and I was able to buy my SIM card, call the right people, get my credit cards turned on. Um, And so Web3 is complete ownership of your funds. And it's also decentralized where you don't have to go to a central power or authority and say, please, can I have my money? Please, can I have my assets? You just have it because you have you have the keys, you have the codes, you have the final authority over your own life. So to me, Web3, it's so much, but ultimately Web3 is the term that we use for this world of crypto, of NFTs, of DAOs, which we haven't even talked about, of this future-proofing technology, which is allowing us to build in a decentralized manner, build for longevity, and have accountability based in the community, based on the blockchain. But I I would be curious to your definition to Web3, Hallie, because I think we all have, as we're growing and building in this space, we all kind of create our own definition as it relates to our own life. I get to go on TV these days and talk about crypto. So I tend to speak in sound bites. For me, I would just call Web3 the natural evolution and the next evolution of the internet and leave it at that. Your Ooh. definition, I was just listening to what you were saying and feeling just that you have such a comprehension of the entire universe of Web3, mm-hmm. which also includes the metaverses that are being created all over the place. And I was just admiring that about you, that you really you know, have such a 
a really big breadth of knowledge, having been in it for just a couple of years. And again, I feel like this is so inspirational for our viewers because it's a chance to really see what's possible, how quickly somebody can get immersed in the technology, get immersed in an understanding and an education, do that research, not just because you want to, might want to invest, but doing the research because you want to understand. And there's no way you can learn all of it. Like it's evolving <laughs> so fast. Like well, that's my favorite year. thing about this my space. favorite thing too, because yeah. I'm learning something new literally every day. Like every I'm day. so excited to wake up every day because I know that I'm going to be challenged. I'm going to learn something interesting. Like not a day has gone by since I decided that I'm going to be full-time web three full-time investing my time in the natural future evolution of the internet. Not a day has gone by that I don't feel like I've learned something, like there's something new that has entered my space and my reality and awareness. And I will say as well that I do consulting. I do Web3 consulting. I do DAO consulting. You can reach out to me at Sunny4Earth. Sunny, the number four Earth, like the planet we live on, on Twitter, Instagram, Telegram. You can find me on LinkedIn at Sunny Sattva. And we can have more in-depth conversations about your personal goals and understanding of Web3. But I thank you for that because it has been um, a long road of learning and reading and watching videos and having conversations and going to these conferences like where I met you and talking to the experts and listening to the experts and really understanding that this is the future. This is legitimate. And I want to go back to my story about how I got into the crypto impact space. I made my first angel investments in three separate Kenyan-owned, women-owned companies in early 2021, which I was only able to do because I had invested in Web3. And I realized that this was something that made my heart sing, that these women are you know, striving for greatness leaders in their community, uplifting entire families and villages with their entrepreneurial you know, savviness. But at the same time, in Africa, they have 20% nearly of the world's population, yet receive less than 1% of global venture funding. And African women of that 1% receive less than 2% of startup capital. So and that actually is straight across the board. There's venture capital the highest number that I have heard in the Western world for women for venture capital money is 3%. I will say though, that I talk to a lot of venture capitalists who are doing VC funds for this space, for crypto, for a blockchain, for Web3, for all of these new industries. And every one of them is like, we just wish there were more women applying. We just wish there were more women asking us for our money. So if you're mm -hmm. a woman and you have an idea that you want funded, there are women venture funds and there are people like Sunny out there helping <laughs> to do that seed investment. I just want to encourage everybody to not say, I can't have that money because there are actually people wandering around with their pocketbooks open right now going, I really want to give money to women. I really want to give money to the uh, to every diverse culture that I can. 
for their great ideas because that's what we're really interested in. It's like, you know, startup funding with a conscience, I suppose. Um, and so I think that that's something that we, you know, we all could use more of, but it is out there for us. All right. So please continue about, so you did this, these investments and you put your seed money into these uh, projects for women. And then what happened? Well, I noticed that the company that was doing the best with that initial investment was Kenya's first vegan protein producer. Their name is Vegan Basket, located on the Kenya coast. And this was something that was ethically aligned with the world that I want to see, which is largely plant-based. When we talk about sustainability, animal products at best are 20% efficient meaning that there's an inefficiency where every thousand calories you put into feeding an animal, at best you get 200 calories out for human consumption. And that inefficiency is actually driving hunger in the world. You see that people are so obsessed with feeding their goats and cows so that they can later feed themselves while at the same time people are starving. And so I wanted to make vegan food more accessible And I realized that to have a bigger impact, to do it on a bigger scale, we could launch that on the blockchain. So I started the Vegan Africa Fund, which is a very awesome fund for Africa, where you can buy the VAF token and redeem that later for sustainably produced, not just alternative proteins, but vegan leather products, vegan eco-friendly packaging. And you have access to our network of sustainably sourced goods. So I would encourage people to check out the VAF.one website and see if you, this is something that aligns with you. If you want to get involved, whether that's buying our NFTs, holding that in your digital art portfolio so you can later redeem it for a gift basket of these goods or buying the fungible token, which can be traded in exchange for the goods and products in our network. And this is a project that has been actually amazingly received. We have launched our NFTs on both the Polygon blockchain and we recently launched on the Harmony blockchain after receiving a non-dilutive grant from this protocol. And grant was to start forming a DAO and issuing tokens, NFTs on their chain. And so I also want to encourage women who are looking at this space, if you have an existing idea, an existing Web2 business that you want to take into the Web3 ecosphere, Not only is their funding accessible, but there's also protocols who say, or blockchains or companies that say, if you build with us, we'll give you a grant. And it doesn't have to be dilutive. It can be equity free as well. So definitely look into some of these opportunities because they, like, like Hallie said, they are out there. People with their pocketbooks open waiting to write these checks and it doesn't, cost anything to have that conversation. So a couple of things that I want to understand a little bit better. So first of all, DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization. And what it basically means to me, and then I'm going to have Sunny define it as well, it's a group, it's a community of people. It does not have, because it's decentralized, it does not have a central authority. So there isn't a CEO, a president, a prime minister, or a queen running it. It's run by the people for the people. So it's more like a community where everybody gets a vote. And um, that idea of a DAO as a substitute for company structure and as a substitute for 
um, the like kind of hierarchical structures that we've had in the past, I want to say it's like a return to the, like past ways of having a, a governing body because the governing body implies that somebody's it's that there's a hierarchy and there really isn't inside of a DAO. Now, I've said this before that, but I don't think on this show that I think that a DAO is either a utopia or it is a dystopia depending <laughs> on who's involved because it can be the most wonderful thing. Or I know people who are like, these DAOs suck and then these people start trying to steal our money and all this. So it can be, becomes the sum of its parts. So anyway, that's my DAO definition. Sunny, please explain what you think a DAO is. And then I have another question about what you just talked about. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that we're getting towards the end of our time. So I will share my definition of DAO and let you know about the DAOs I'm in, if anyone's interested in joining or having a conversation about them. But to me, a DAO is almost like a Web3 co-op where the stakeholders or the people who are in a specific community come together to make joint decisions. And while there is no top-down leadership structure, all of the DAOs that I'm in do have a governance board where the community elects the governors who are making decisions on a shared treasury that they may control. The community is holding regular elections to basically change these governors and change who's in charge of controlling this community treasury. And at the same time, the people in the DAO, for it to be that utopia and not that dystopia, really have to have a shared vision. They have to have, they have to come together and understand their mission and their vision and what they're working towards, which for me with the Vegan Africa DAO is making veganism more accessible. I'm involved in the Black Leaders DAO, which is advancing the next generation of Black leaders with Web3 and financial literacy. I'm involved in something called the Blue DAO, which is BLU3, like Web3. And the Blue DAO is onboarding women into Web3, helping them travel to crypto conferences through a learn, earn, and play model, as well as I'm in a DAO for Africa's first NFT marketplace called the Nifty Row DAO, which is supporting African artistry. And so these DAOs are very exciting. And the last DAO that I helped form is called the Crypto Lingo DAO, which we are launching our app this year in 2022 to help onboard people in different languages, focus first on Spanish, Portuguese, and Mandarin into Web3 literacy through a learn-to-earn gaming model. So DAOs are, they can be various things. It can be people coming together to create products that ultimately fund the sustainability of the DAO. They can be people coming together to grow and create communities, which host events, which host digital or physical meetups to bring that community together and push for, advocate for some specific goals. There are so many ways to structure a DAO. There are so many DAOs that exist right now. And I believe that it can take us to a utopian point where we are able to truly have the people who are most impacted by decisions being made actually involved in the decision-making process. That's the future that I see for the decentralized autonomous organizational structure. 
Wow. That was amazing. Thank you very much. (laughs) I want you just to define real quick, and I think this is probably the last thing we'll have time for, but you had talked about protocols and you kept saying protocols and, and you were saying the protocols didn't have to be diluted. Can you just explain that? So a protocol is basically synonymous with a network or a blockchain, but a protocol may be a blockchain with a mission or a blockchain with a goal beyond just we have this string of like, you know, blocks in the digital space that can't be changed. Um, I mentioned specifically the Harmony Protocol because they helped the Vegan Africa Fund with a DAO launching grant. And then we also launched our NFTs on the Harmony Protocol. And their mission is radical social change. So this is a blockchain that is also focused on how can we impact positively 10 billion people, which will be in the world in the next 30 years, through our technology. And so they have a mission to educate developers in Web2 to transition them to Web3 coding for building the future on the Harmony blockchain. They have a mission to invest in social impact spaces. Specifically, they have a large fund investing in Africa and investing in community development. They have a $300 million grants program, which is a non-dilutive program, which is writing checks for people to be building on this ecosystem, building on this blockchain, building within this protocol. So there are several other protocols out there with similar missions. I know the NEAR protocol, NEAR, is also on a similar mission. I believe they also have a large fund, I think over half a billion dollars for ecosystem grants to build on their chain. And so there are so many different protocols that women especially should be looking at when you're onboarding into this space, because it's not just about investing. It's not just about buying these coins. It's about building for your future. And all of us can be builders in Web3. You don't have to be a developer or a coder. If you are a business strategist, if you are a product manager, if you're a designer, a graphic artist, or if you work in data science or any kind of any field is relevant to Web3 because this is the next natural evolution of the internet and we all need to come together and build it. So I would encourage people to look into these protocols, look into the Harmony Protocol, um, look into building out your career and tying it to Web3 however you can, because no matter what, it's not going away. This is the future. And I'm just really excited to be a part of it. And I would love to speak with you if you feel aligned with anything I'm working on. Again, my name is Sunny Sattva. You can find me at sunny for earth on all the social media platforms, or you can email me sunny at vaf.one, where vaf.one is our website, vaf.one. And thank you so much for having me, Hallie. Oh, I feel like all of the things you just said are like, we're all under this kind of umbrella of the goddess of crypto. Like she's looking (laughs) after all of, of, of us. I feel like I remember when I was a young girl hearing Uh, God looks after old men, babies, and feisty, feisty girls. I don't know who said that, but I was like, I vote, I'm going to be a feisty, feisty girl. So now I think the goddess of crypto is like overlooking all of our ventures and, and blessing them as we go. 
Sunny, thank you so much for being here. You have, I'm sure, enlightened the audience as you have enlightened me, enlivened us with what's possible in Web3, in blockchain, and crypto. Thank you again so much for being here. If you liked this episode, I encourage you to subscribe on your favorite platform. We are on 17 platforms plus YouTube. So grab your phone and hit your subscribe button. Please also like, comment, and as always, share. Share this with other women. Every woman in the world should be involved in what I call the new energy of money and the goddess of crypto. I will see you next time. Every week, transformational wealth coach Hallie Evelyn leads a conversation that helps to ensure that women everywhere can learn to surf the coming tsunami of the new energy of money. You can find her at goddessofcrypto.me. That's goddessofcrypto.me. Be sure to subscribe to Goddess of Crypto on your favorite platform or watch the show on YouTube. And remember, wealth isn't just your privilege. It's your right.